I'm going to preach three sermons in one today, so you better have your pens ready. I don't know what came over me. I don't even know why I'm even attempting to do this, but I'm going to give it a go. I felt that, that, that God um, uh, laid something on my heart in, in regard to the whole area of confidence. I want to come and talk to you about confidence today. The word confidence means a feeling of trust and, and firm belief in yourself or others. It's about firmly trusting and being bold. It's an expectation for things to go right or go well. You know, like most people, I suppose, in my life, I've got areas uh, in which I am confident and I've got areas in which I lack confidence. My areas of confidence tend to be around the things I can succeed in, the things I can do well. So like I've learned um, over the years, uh, some of you uh, would hate this, but I've loved, you know, public speaking. I absolutely love it. It's absolutely great. This is, I get excited. I wake up buzzing when I get an opportunity to open the Word of God and to, so like what would be some of your worst nightmare is my dream. I absolutely love it. However, you've put me on a football pitch or in a sporting environment where you would be, you would probably absolutely thrive. Me, I would like, all that confidence would just absolutely fritter away. You know, I, yesterday I painted my bathroom, feeling pretty good about myself today, but I painted my bathroom. I'm quite confident uh, in the area of painting. However, um, if you ask me to do the plumbing or the electrics, mm, not so confident in that. So we all have areas in which we feel confident and we feel less uh, confident. And I would say, listen, you know, as a younger man, confidence was a huge issue. Um, you know, not everybody who seems confident is confident. Some of us learn some great tricks uh, to give the impression that we're confident, but actually what is being shown on the outside is not a true measure of what is going on in the inside. And, and in essence, the, 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 the transforming, the thing that transformed my life was finding Jesus. It made, it, made, it, it turned my world upside down. And, and, and that was the most transforming thing in regard to my levels of confidence. We talk a lot about faith, but maybe not so much about confidence. And I believe that we need to be confident if we're going to do some of the things that Jesus wants us to do. So we're going to look at a, a few things here. In 1 Samuel 14, this is a familiar story to uh, some of us if we've been around church for a long time. If you're here for the first time or you don't usually find yourself in church, we love that you uh, are here. And you know what? I, this is a great story anyway, whether you're used to it or not. It's a story about 
a guy called Jonathan. And the Bible says this, that one day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitob, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozas and the other Senna. One cliff stood to the north towards Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of the un those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, Come on then, we will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, Wait there until we come to you. We will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because he will, that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Luke said to the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we will teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Saul and his army sat under the pomegranate tree at the beginning of that account had been paralyzed by fear. They had a lack of, of, of confidence in God and in themselves. And, and I, I want to say, in truth, the environment in which Jonathan found himself was not an empowering environment. It was a negative environment. It was, a, it was, it was an environment that was overwhelmed by the enormity of the circumstances. But I believe, just, uh, just for the sake of ease, I've given us 10 steps that through confidence led to a breakthrough. He made, number one, he made the decision rooted in God confidence, not, not self confidence. Perhaps the Lord. You know, I don't know. I know we're in a bit of a mess here, but you know what? I'm not going to stay here and do nothing. Two, he was prepared to start with perhaps and not wait for perfect circumstances. How many of us wait for the circumstances to fall into line? We actually see that the circumstances fell into line as he went. You've got, to make, you've got to make a start. Thirdly, he had a positive confession of what God was able to do. If, if I talk on all these, we'll never get through. So fourthly, he sought out someone who would support him in word and deed. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Fifthly, Confidence grew as he took each step. Sixthly, that led to a strategy being revealed. He, he then said, if they say this, 
will do that. I want, I want to say, the strategy emerged as they did something. I believe that they would not have come upon that strategy if they'd stayed under the pomegranate trees. The fact that they launched out made, uh, made an opportunity for the strategy to emerge. Seven, this led to a confession that moved from perhaps the Lord to the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. They, there, was, there was a complete, before anything had happened, their confidence levels had completely shifted. Eight, they had the humility to know it was not about them. They, they, he didn't say, oh, the, the Lord's going to give uh, them into my hands, or the Lord's going to give them into our hands. He, the Lord gave them into the hands of Israel. Nine, it caused them to engage with circumstances that were overwhelmingly against them. And ten, that led to a supernatural breakthrough. Jonathan proves great confidence can grow from a small, bold action. Great confidence can grow from a small, bold action. Now let me take you to another account. The backstory to this account about, is about Elijah. Elijah, the man of God. And Elijah had experienced a phenomenal breakthrough. He had uh, come with the prophets of Barware and the prophets of Barware dancing and believing for rain. And, and, and Elijah came to rebuild the altar of God. And he was saying, hey, let's, let's find out who the real God is. Who's, whose God is real here? Whose God is the God here? And uh, long story short, he called down fire from heaven and it was proved 100% that God, Elijah's God, was the God. He confidently took on the powers of darkness and were used, was used mightily by God in seeing that fire fall from heaven. That's the backstory to these verses that I'm going to read now in 1 Kings 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had, had, I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. So Jonathan introduces us to 10 steps to a breakthrough, whilst Elijah introduces us to 10 steps to a breakdown. Number one, Elijah was serving God and enjoying outward Success. I mean, he was the pinup boy. He was the man. He was, if I'm telling you, he could fill any stadiums. He would have filled any church now because he was the man of power for the hour. He had taken on the powers of darkness and he had succeeded. But Elijah was serving God and whilst enjoying outward success, he had not, and I'm surmising this, he had not taken proper rest. 
He'd not drunk enough. He'd not eaten properly. And you say, well, why do you say that? Well, because that was the first thing God did. You know, that, you know God did not send him to a prayer meeting. He, he, he didn't send him to read more, you know, the Bible. He, 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 what he did was he said, hey, the journey's too much for you. You need to eat something. You need to drink something. And you need to sleep. And then when you've woken up, you need to eat something, you need to drink something, and you need to sleep again. So the, 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 the fact was that whilst Elijah had op- was operating in a place of great confidence, he was not looking after himself emotionally and physically, which left him spiritually vulnerable. Secondly, a negative report came looking for him. He was in a place of vulnerability, and we read that... A messenger, we don't even know the name, but a messenger came to deliver a message of of, a a negative report. Thirdly, he listened to the negative report. How many of you know there's a world of difference between getting a negative report and listening to a negative report? Fourthly, the external world got into his internal world. You see, the truth is this, it's not the water outside the boat that will take you down. It's the water inside the boat that will take you down. If you, the, the boat can survive in the water as long as the water doesn't get into the boat. The moment you start letting the water into the boat, that's when you start getting taken down. When the outside world starts getting into your internal world. Fifthly, he lost confidence in God and himself. Sixthly, he was afraid. But actually, that's what that verse said. But actually, the, the better translation was, is he saw. He saw. So he heard, what, what that means is he heard things that caused him to see things. He imagined things. He began to dwell on the things associated with that negative report, which caused him to lose perspective. And he ran away. That's number seven. Number eight, he started praying, disempowering, self-focused prayers. You see, some of us will say to ourselves, well, at least I'm praying. But what kind of prayers are you praying? If you are praying disempowering, negative, self-focused prayers, then they, your very prayers are going to take you down. How many of you know it's not a good prayer to be praying, Oh God, kill me now. Oh God, that I might die. That is not a good prayer to be praying. And number nine, it led to a negative confession. And ten, it exposed a loss of confidence in how and what God had done for him and how far he'd come. He was saying, I'm no better than my ancestors. I'm rubbish. I'm useless. Forget it. None of that was true. But he got to that place in his head and he lost confidence. Elijah proves no matter how confident you are, it can be lost if you do not respond appropriately to what life throws at you. He's a great man of God. 
saw great things happen in his life, did powerful things. People would talk about that all his life, but even great women of God, even great men of God can be taken down if they don't look after themselves and if they don't respond appropriately to what life throws at them. You see, confidence is not a personality issue. I'm not born confident. I'm not born lacking in confidence. I know some of us say, well, I'm not like that. That's, that's not me. I'm not that kind of person. But so too many of us have believed some things about ourselves because that is the only experience that I have. That's the, the things that I've learned because clearly life and circumstances can influence my confidence levels. You say, well, okay, great, Malcolm, but does it, does it, really, does it really matter? Maybe, maybe that's just the way I am. You know, we can't all be confident. Well, I want to suggest to us that being a follower of Jesus, and if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, well, whilst you're really welcome, I mean, you can count yourself out of this. You can just listen into what all the Christians should be doing. But I believe that the, God clearly wants us to be, some, to be confident about some things. See, God wants me to be confident in what Jesus has done for me. Hebrews 10 verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 3 verse 12 says, In Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. God wants me to know, be confident. I'm forgiven this morning because of what God has done. God loves me. His love for me does not fluctuate on whether I've had a good week or whether I've had a bad week or whether I'm feeling up or whether I'm feeling down. His love doesn't fluctuate as to whether I've read my Bible enough this week or read it at all or whether I've prayed enough or whether I swore at that driver who, over, who uh, cut me up on the road and I shouldn't have done it. God loves me. He loves me. It is not dependent upon my performance and He wants me to be confident in that. He wants me to be confident in His love for me. God wants us to be confident that our prayers are being heard. 1 John 5 verse 14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. I think that's an important thing because thank God. Is anyone glad this morning that God hasn't answered some prayers? I bet Elijah was pretty glad that God didn't answer that prayer. You know, oh God, let, let me die now. I, you know, that is not, that, that is a one prayer. So, it would be interesting if someone popped down to the testimony booth, sat there, I'm glad that God didn't answer this prayer this year. Because there are some, we, we pray some stupid prayers. So I'm glad that John points out to us that when we pray anything according to his will, when we pray according to the will of God, but we need to know that we have a God who hears our prayers. We have a God who answers our prayers. We have a, we have a God who responds to us. And God wants us to be confident of that. I wonder, 
I wonder if somebody here actually grasped that one point, how your prayer life might change. If you could pray knowing with confidence that God is hearing you and that as you pray according to God's will, He will answer you. God wants us to be confident of His presence. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. My confidence does not rest in God because I'm feeling it. Because I'm feeling it. The presence of God. You know, listen, I'm grateful for my, uh, my goosebump moments. I'm, 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 I'm grateful for my tingling moments when the Spirit of God comes up and, oh, Jesus, karashama kuma. Oh, my God. It's, and it, it's wonderful. But you know what? I don't live my life in that place. You know, my life is ordinary days in, interspersed with those moments, those rashakumaya. Jesus. Those moments, yeah, we thank God for them. Some of you are thinking, I've never had one of those moments. Well, you need to pray for one. God will give you one. But those moments, those moments are great, but we can sometimes think, if I'm not getting one of those moments every day, every service, then I'm not experiencing the presence of God. The presence of God is with me always. Whether I feel Him or not is not determined In fact, I dare to believe that some of the times he is closest to me is the times when I feel he's furthest away. My feelings will lie to me, but God will never lie to me. I can be confident of his presence. Turn to someone and say, he's with you. He's with you. You need to be confident of that. God wants me confident of his provision. God does not want me fearful. His promise to me is that He will meet all my needs according to His glorious riches. And God's glorious riches are overflow exceedingly abundantly more than I can ask or even imagine. God wants me to know that that I I am not going to live in lack. He wants me to live in a place so that I can be made rich in every way, so that I can be generous on every occasion. God wants me to live in a place of abundance because when I'm being generous, then I'm showing the nature of God. And the wonderful thing is that generosity is not dependent on abundance. Generosity, you know, we we can learn to be generous even when we don't have, we may have just a little oil, we may have just a little flour, but we can be generous with a little bit we've got and see the miracle that God gives us. God wants me to be confident of His ongoing work in my life. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God wants me to be confident that there is a good work going on in me by His Spirit. And we said, these, those are things, those are things that God wants me to be confident in. It's like, done deal. I, I, I shouldn't be worrying, am I saved, am I not saved? I shouldn't be worrying, oh, is God with me, is He not with me? I, he wants us to know those things and be confident in that. We said at the beginning that my confidence is often rooted in my strengths. 
the areas where I can succeed. See, but God often requires us to step out of our comfort zone into areas where we can't walk in self-confidence. We can only walk in God-confidence. Because God is requiring me to walk in an arena that is beyond my skill set. Proverbs 3 verse 26, for the Lord says, For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. God wants me to walk with confidence knowing that He will be my confidence even when I'm walking in stuff that ordinarily I wouldn't feel confident in. Because God knows me better than I know myself. Some of us are highly capable in certain areas of our lives. We just do not know it yet because we've never given ourselves opportunity to explore those areas. Because you see, the thing is, the journey to success involves failure. And we enjoy the feeling of success more than we enjoy the feeling of failure. So I would far rather do things that I succeed in because I enjoy that feeling rather than doing things that I can fail in because I don't enjoy that, fe that feeling. But the thing is this, I learn to walk by not f learning not to fall over. Sometimes we've got to be prepared. I mean, some of us have done it. Some of us in this room have gone from one set of skills. We've gone and retrained. You've got to, sometimes you've got to go back to grade one. You've got to go back to grade one and learn some new skills. And that means that I'm not flowing as I would normally flow. You're like, here, I'm not that great. Why would? If you saw me over there, woo, you would see something completely different. But right, just here, but I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm growing. God, God will put us in a place like Jonathan, in a position where our confidence can grow. God wants me to walk with confidence because of the cross, because of what the cross has accomplished, because I am a new creation, because I am a son, not a slave. God wants me to walk. See, some of us, we get our spiritual knickers in a twist because we, we, we think that, you know, like if you, we, we sometimes get confidence mixed up with arrogance. And they're, they're two completely different things. In fact, you can, be, you can be walking confidently and be walking in humility. And you can walk with the appearance of humility and yet be being prideful. Because of your refusal to put yourself out there. Because of your refusal to allow yourself to fail. You see, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. But that means, therefore, that you've got to be prepared to be qualified while you're walking. 
You've got to be prepared for God to give you the next step. Okay, I'm going to start here. That's what Jonathan said. I'm going to start here. And then God will give me the next step. And then when I've got the next step, I'm going to take the next step. And he grew and he changed in his confidence as he walked. I believe that God wants us to walk with a sense of permission. You know, I just, you know why, why is it? Why do we as Christians um, live life? Like every light's a red light. Well, I'm just, I'm just praying. I'm just believing. I'm just seeking the Lord at the moment to see whether it's His will, to see whether it's what He wants me to do. And I don't know. And I don't, and I don't want to put a foot wrong. And I don't want to get it wrong. And I, and I don't want to displease God. And you know what I think? I think God loves it. When we just trust and believe that, hey, you are God. The earth is yours and everything in it. I can go where he, wherever I want to go. Why? Because I'm not a slave. I'm a son. I've got permission to walk and do. I think God is just looking for some people who say, Oh my God, looking down from heaven saying, She believes me. He believes me. He actually believes me. They're actually, well, I think that's what God did. When God looked down at Jonathan, he, he, he turned to the angels and said, Hey, Gabriel. Michael, come here, look at this man, he believes me. Can you hear him? He's saying perhaps God, he believes that there's a God out there who will help him. And he's stepping out on that basis. Come on guys, we need to come and help this guy out. God wants me, you know what, I do, 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 we, do we find red lights? Yes. So when, when, when I get a red light, I understand it's not now. It's not now. It's not, it's not what God But I'm going to walk like it's a green light. I'm going to run like God has said yes until he says no. Do you not understand that that's a different way of living that God says no and I'm going to, I'm going to keep going until I hear a yes. Now we need to understand that there's a reason that our mutual enemy wants to rob us of our confidence. Because he wants us paralyzed under the pomegranate tree. He wants us like rabbits caught in the headlights. He wants to, he wants to stop us functioning. He wants to rob us of our confidence because if any of us ever got a bit of confidence, we might stand up and begin to do things that is going to give the devil a run for his money. Now I believe that there are keys to keeping or recovering our confidence. We've got to go quick because time's against us. But listen to this. You're going you're gonna to have to think about this and pray about this. But I want to say to us today, who you listen to matters. What you listen to matters. And what you allow your mind to dwell upon matters. Who you listen to matters. What you listen to matters. And what you allow your mind to dwell upon matters. It will distinctly affect your confidence levels. Elijah heard a negative report from someone and the negative report sent him into a nosedive that caught him to isolate, caused him to isolate himself. In that moment, he didn't have someone who had his back. See, every one of us needs somebody who's got our back. God will sometimes call us to solitude, but he will never call us to, call us to isolation. The devil isolates. 
God will call me to solitude, but the devil will isolate you. Ah, I've got, I could lie. Ah, so much I want to say about that. Lord, help me. But the, the, the thing is this. We, no, God, I believe God has deliberately set it up that not one of us will get to where we need to get to on our own because God will not allow any single one of us to stand up and say, I did it. There are no self-made women. There are no self-made men in the kingdom of God. We need each other. Without each other, none of us are going to get to where God wants to get us. You know? and, and, and why do you think? Why do you think? Some of you are sat there saying, mm, don't, don't you come and talk to me about that. I've trusted people before and I've learned my lesson and I'm not trusting anybody again. You know what? You're better on your own. Better the devil you know. I am going to just do it on my own. Yeah? And you know why? Because the devil's got you so hurt and messed up and isolated. It's because in that place you will never be able to release what God has put inside you. Why do you, he's happy to leave you while ever you're saying there, saying, you know what, I've been there before, I'm not trusting again, I'm not believing again, I'm just going to stay here where it's safe. The devil is a liar. I want to say Elijah was vulnerable after, after giving out. Listen, whenever you're, whenever you're, whenever you're um, giving out spiritually, I mean, Elijah poured himself out spiritually. When, you know, at the, at the end of the performance, at the end of the race, at the end of the worship time, at the end of the preach, you're vulnerable. You, 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 you've given yourself out spiritually. That's why if you haven't got anything good to say to the preacher or anything good to say to the worship leader, don't say anything, especially after they're finished. Because you do untold damage. You bring a negative report that has ongoing repercussions. Because on a normal day, they might be able to take it. But when they've poured themselves out spiritually, and you've gone up and saying, oh, what was it wrong today? What was wrong with the sound today? What was wrong with that? What was wrong with the drum? Blah, 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 blah. And didn't even say, do you know what? Thank you. Thank you. I was blessed today. Because I tell you the truth, if you had the right heart and the right attitude, you could have up here with a couple of pegs, a tin can, and a, a biscuit tin, and you'd find a place of worship. Because you carry worship to church. You, you're mature enough to say, I don't actually need somebody to lead me in worship. I'm a worship service all by myself. I will turn up and I will worship and I will praise God. There is nothing and no one that is going to stop me worshiping and praising the Lord. The fact that we have got some phenomenal musicians who give of their own private time to come here and be here early on a Sunday morning to serve us and lead us into, into the place of worship along with the support team in the box. We thank God for them. We thank God they've turned up for serving us. Do they always get it right? No, but their heart is to bless. Their heart is to, to, to lead us into a place of worship. So when people have given out, don't choose that moment to tell them rather say nothing hallelujah <laughs> external voices are important but what you hear you say matters and does influence you it's important what others say but what you hear you say has a massive influence on your confidence you look at those two situations, I haven't got time to go into it. You look at what Jonathan said to himself and, you look what, and others and you look what uh, Elijah said to himself and others and you will see how they ended up in the place they ended up. 
Because what they said either lifted them up or brought them down. God, I could say that. Negative. Ne- Nehemiah heard all kinds of negative reports. But he prayed, oh Lord, strengthen my hands. We, when you're hearing negative things being thrown at you, you've got to turn to God and say, oh God, strengthen my hands. What you say matters, what you pray matters. Elijah was praying, but there were self-centered negative prayers. We need to pray empowering prayers. Don't pray about the problem. Pray, about the God, pray to the God who can change your problem. Someone once said, stop telling God about your mountain and start telling your mountain about your God. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God does not want me to live life fearful and timid. He wants me to walk confidently in Him. Now, don't misread, because some of you are thinking, some of you quieter ones saying, but I'm not loud, I'm not like that. This is not a personality issue. You can be a quiet person, but you can live confidently and not live fearfully. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. And then he goes on to say, he'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out root by its streams. It does not fear, never fails to bear fruit. Confidence in God produces blessing in my life. Confidence in God means I am not swayed by life circumstances. Confidence in God means I am fruitful when I shouldn't be fruitful. Even in a time of drought, I will bear fruit. Psalm 18.33 says, He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. God wants me to, to walk with confidence. He says He makes my feet. He didn't say I've got feet like a deer. He didn't say you've got feet like a deer. He says He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. He, he, he makes me able to walk where I ordinarily would not be able to walk. He enables me to do things that I would not ordinarily be able to do. But I'm never going to do that sat under the pomegranate tree. I've got to get up and say, perhaps the Lord, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Hebrews 10 verse 35 says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be Richly rewarded. You know, the writer to the Hebrews tells us not to throw away our confidence because we'll be tempted to. And you need it. You'll be tempted to throw away your confidence, but you need it. And you'll be tempted to throw away your confidence because, ah, it's just not working. I've tried and I've believed and I've believed and I've tried and it's still not working and I've prayed and I've believed and I've tried and I've prayed and I've believed and it's still not working. But don't throw away your confidence. Base your confidence not on what you're seeing, not on what you're experiencing, but on the greatness 
of our God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He will not change. That circumstance that you are facing that is so big and so intimidating, that thing that makes you want to cringe and hide away, I want you to know that God is bigger than those circumstances. And He is wanting you to know that in Him, you are bigger than those circumstances. Rise up in confidence. Don't throw it away. God does not want me to walk in a confidence that is only rooted in what I can do or in circumstances that I feel I can cope with. Psalm 27 verse 3 says, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then, even then, even then will I be confident. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? I want to close with this. What would your life look like if you began to live life from a place of godly confidence? What would tomorrow look like? What would you start doing? What would you stop doing? Who would you speak to? My God. My God. I just feel that God wants to introduce some of us to who we are in Him. He wants to introduce some of us to what we're capable of, what is possible. Some of us, we need to draw a line. We need to draw a line on what has been and say, God, I don't understand so much about yesterday, but I'm here. I'm alive. I'm strong. You are still on the throne. What is it you want me to do today? Because while ever God lends you strength, while ever He gives you breath in your body, you can know there is purpose for you on this earth.